Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and nerds of all ages, you are listening to Views from the Back of the Class. My name is Jeremy Black, but you can call me JB. I'm here with my mans. What's up, N-Words? It's Josh. How you guys doing? Nerding it up. All day. Getting all antsy for SDCC. Online, at home, in your jammies. I was going to say, I mean, the cons are for cosplay, right? Yeah, I'm not mad at you. I wouldn't be surprised if there are people who are doing that. I mean, people have been cosplaying this whole time, which I think is dope. Man. Mm-hmm. It, it certainly gives you something to do, and it gives you an opportunity to continue either to, to brush up on your skills or to learn a new skill. I have not taken advantage of that. I'm still <laughs> still not <laughs> not ready for prime time as it, as, uh, it concerns uh, cosplay, but... There are definitely people who are, and I, I salute them. Keep it up, guys. You're doing a good job. Except for those of you who aren't. So just those guys do better. It's terrible. Uh, well, you guys know what to expect with me. Yeah. So thanks for listening. I'm uh, going to jump in pretty early with this. Why don't you guys take a minute, since you're starting an episode, leave a rating or a review on your podcatcher right now. We usually say this at the you know end of the show, but... Let's jump ahead now. Get that out there. So I don't have to bring it up later. But if you guys are, are listening in a in a on a way that allows you to rate and review, you know, please do that. Word. So what is going on in the real world? Well not really the real world. We know what's going on. Things are on fire still. There's, you know, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, maybe, depending where you live at i'm looking at you you know europe and greenland and new zealand and things are going not not bad stateside yeah it also depends on what you're talking about too (laughs) yeah (laughs) if you're talking about COVID, sure there's definitely progress being made in certain places other stuff uh okay Things are happening. Things are happening. Yeah, what's going on in the nerd realm? So, Tenet is being shelved, which, (laughs) duh, but I remember Warner Brothers and Christopher Nolan were, like, so adamant about that in the beginning. They didn't even want to change the date at first, and it's going to be released. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and release it. Nobody's going to go into the theaters to see it, or certainly not enough people to support this film. And like Nolan films ain't cheap to make, right? <laughs> not anymore. Not since Batman Begins. You know, you need the bodies to be in there, and um, so it was just it was just the responsible thing to do fiscally. Mm-hmm. Like we want right. to see these films, but you gotta have no, an audience. You gotta have an audience there, and. It's just not going to work out. Yeah. I I was looking at that, and I saw earlier, too, that they're looking at, like, a staggered or structured release where they're going to release it overseas, and then eventually it should come back. It should come out in the States once things have, uh, well, I won't say calmed down, but once things have, they're able to show it here, if that that ever happens. So, yeah, it's kind of disappointing because you, you have all these things you look forward to this summer and they just keep getting pushed back and shelved and not really sure when they're going to come out. And, you know, I get it to an extent, you know, but some stuff it's like, yeah, if it's not a big budget thing, just go ahead and release it, you know, online or something or like everyone has a platform now. So just release it on that and try to recoup some of that through subscriptions or whatever. But But if you already got... Like if you say New Mutants, for instance, so people already have Disney Plus, Mm -hmm. so you're not going to make any more money on subscriptions by releasing the New Mutants. Right. So you might as well just wait. Yeah. I mean, they've been waiting for three years now. Right. 
this point, just stop trying to make new mutants happen. Like, <laughs> nobody cares. That universe doesn't exist anymore. Although, shout out to X-Men on its 20th anniversary <laughs> this month. Yeah. Yeah. But that universe is done. So, like, just... I, I don't know. I've, I've never, I haven't heard anything buzzworthy about it. You know, I can't even feel bad about certain actors giving like great performances in it because I haven't heard anything. But like, I don't care about New Mutants at this point. I think it's. Uh, I want to say a trailer was shown, and I, I'm wondering if they were going to do something at a SDCC. I seem to remember think, that, but but. Yeah, I think it's going to be a panel about it. Right, but I'm kind of like you. Like I'm. I'm not super stoked about it, so. I think it would have been an interesting concept, but the, that time's passed. Like, no no one cares. Well, I, I don't think. Beyond people caring or not caring, I think it was just not in the hands of the right custodians. And I think that is what kind of led to it having the the issues that it did have and having to basically change the whole tone of the film and. You know, Fox didn't really do justice by uh, by that whole universe. So, and these being such obscure characters, yeah, it was just kind of a, a tall order for that group, I think. Yeah. Also, in the news, so I caught this online. I think I want to say uh, Instagram. And you know me, I usually don't like watch trailers on my phone. Especially if it's something that I want to see. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to watch it on my phone. I need to see it on a larger screen so I can enjoy it. But this one, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't looking for it. And I just caught it and watched this. Project Power with Jamie Foxx and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That looks really, really interesting to me. Yes, yeah, it does. Like, the concept is, is... it's an it's uh, as far as I know that's a kind of an original concept. I guess it's a, a twist on other things. It's similar to Limitless, I suppose. Yeah, but it's it kind of too like um like uh Powers, the the comic strip and the TV show that came on uh PlayStation Network. It was like yeah. the original show. I think it was only on for like two seasons or something, but it's a similar premise, but it's it's one that's not really addressed a lot, I don't think. No, no, in this no. Medium. Certainly not an overused trope, and I can appreciate that. Um, and they got some, you know, heavy hitters involved, so I'm, I'm, I'm game to give it a try. Yeah, I am too. I mean, just from the actors who were in it, Jamie Foxx and Joseph uh, Gordon-Levitt, I'm pretty confident that it should be good. Um, there are a couple other faces in there too who I associate with good movies. Mm-hmm. So I, th- you know, and and. I know Netflix is hit or miss with some of their movies, but I think their bigger budget ones with named actors tend to be better than, you know, the stuff that they buy from like smaller production companies and stuff like that. So I'm I'm looking forward to this one. I think this is the blockbuster of the summer, potentially, just uh-huh. for the fact that it'll be available to, you know, 100, 200 million people at once. Right. Well, we'll see because it's... I don't think um, the the casual MCU watchers are going to necessarily rock with this one the same way because it's not costumes and capes. It still fits the same, you know, as, as has a loosely tied connection to that, I suppose. But uh, it's a different thing altogether. It's, it, it has the feeling of a heist film. Actually, I, what it put me in the mind of and watching it was um, Payback, the Mel Gibson film, where he's just kind of going on a tear, I believe, to get his daughter back. Or maybe it wasn't to get anybody back. It was just revenge. But it kind of felt like that to me, uh, real gritty. Right. So I'm, I'm definitely down for that. But I am going in with some tempered expectations Cause I have been fooled in the past by Jamie Foxx, man. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm a fan of his, but uh, he did do stealth. Yeah, but that was like early 2000s. Like his record, even then, his record was like on the upswing, and stealth just happened to like be released because he was like so popular. I mean, it came out right after Ray, so I, I get it. Yeah. 
Okay, but, but I feel like since then he's been pretty solid. Okay, what about Robin Hood? Although was he he, in Robin Hood? he was in Robin Hood, he wasn't a star, but yep, he was in Robin Hood. Wait, wait, wait. Was that the one with uh, Russell Crowe? No. Robin Hood. I don't remember that. Exactly. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Like there, there was the uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two. Okay. I forgot about that one too. Like he's got some some explaining to do for sure in a couple couple instances, but I mean he's solid. You give him you give him something good to work with, he can he can definitely turn out a good performance. So, and um, uh, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I'm fairly confident, certainly more in his case than than maybe with Jamie Foxx and some of the missteps that he's made. Not always mm-hmm. his fault, but so we'll see. I, I mean, if nothing else, it's a Netflix film, so it ain't going to require a whole lot <laughs> on on my part to watch it. And if it turns out that it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be, then all right. I probably sat in the chair and watched it in my pajamas anyway. <laughs> as it was intended. Right, right. <laughs> Speaking of at home, I know we talked a little bit about this. What are your thoughts on... SDCC at home. Are you going to tap in? Do you think it's a good thing? Um, I think it's a good thing in that it will provide people kind of like what they've been missing to an extent. Like it's not it's not a substitute for a real thing, but it's like, you know, how like if you're on a diet or something and you want ice cream. Right. And, you know, you're trying to be healthy. So you go and you get the like non-dairy no sugar stevie ice cream or something like that and you eat it and you're like yeah it's not real ice cream but you know it hits the spot so i think that's what it would do i was looking at the schedule they have some panels under that i'm gonna actually check out you know there's a couple under about x-men the one about um new mutants even though i was like knocking it and having zero interest and i'm kind of interested to see what they're going to talk about with that um i was kind of disappointed because i guess it's going to be most of it or all of it is that the panels are already pre-recorded and you know that if they were going to do any fan interactions they had to be submitted prior so nothing is really going to be live right which i guess i get but um you know it, they're doing what they can you know to to keep it going i heard there's a a shrine at the convention site that fans have started kind of like in memoriam to this year's canceled live or on-premises event i'll check it out i mean i have nothing else to do really to i mean it's it's not going to cost me anything to go to youtube and watch the stream and if i don't if i'm not down with it or i don't like it then i can leave and you know do something else um but i do appreciate what they're doing and uh, even though like marvel and dc are not having a bigger presence as they've had in the past i think it'd be it'd help you know bridge the gap for right now yeah and i'm not super surprised that marvel wouldn't have a presence they seem to be kind of scaling back their presence in some ways like you they may have actors that are going to be involved especially if there's a um you know a movie that's out that needs to be promoted then they'll definitely hit the circuit but I think as far as like big releases and reveals and stuff, they seem to want to do more of that stuff at D23 than at uh, conventions, at least the initial. So I guess it depends on at what point in the year that that particular con would be. But uh, DC not being there was a bit of a shocker to me. Yeah, because they need all the help. Yeah, they're stuck in place like. Nobody knows what's really going on with them. Yeah, it would at least provide a little bit of a glimpse into what's going on. Like, we know we have 84 eventually coming out, but the Batman's still on hold. I don't think they've gone back into production on that. The TV show associated with that is still like the early beginnings. The Aquaman um, sequel is still kind of like in development. And, you know, Henry Cavill is apparently or allegedly supposed to be returning to play superman and all this other weird stuff that's just going on it's like get your house in order and then uh let us know what's going on or what we can expect 
because he, like you said, they need a bat. Like, probably worse than uh, anyone at this point. Agreed. And, I mean, the Batman is not really, like, that concerning to me, the Batman and, and Aquaman, because we know that they're coming. So we wouldn't learn a whole lot at this point because there's nothing really for them to show us. What I would say or why I was surprised that they wouldn't have had a presence is to try to calm down all of the noise around what they got going on between the Snyder Cut and wanting to launch uh, HBO Max and their presence there. Um, I just heard that they're going to be... no longer offering the yearly subscriptions for DC Universe, which makes me wonder. Oh, really? Yeah, which makes me wonder: is that going away? Is it going to be absorbed into HBO Max? Like, what's what's happening with that? And this is just on the like film and television side, and you know, there's a lot of question marks. But they got some exciting stuff going on on the print side, and that's something that they could be putting to the forefront to kind of stick their chest out a little bit, but they're like, nah, we cool. <laughs> and maybe they are. Maybe they are. Somebody, I mean, these people get paid a lot of money to do their jobs and we just two dudes on the podcast, so they know something we don't, for sure. Well, we are, we are talking about DC, so they, they may know nothing, too. This is all all cards on the table. <laughs> all possibilities are out there, for sure. But yeah, no, that's that's kind of like what I meant is being stuck. It's like, um, there's, there's just no insight into really anything that's, that they're doing, whether it's the, the big budget films, the, the Warner Brothers stuff, the HBO max. Um, I didn't know about the DC streaming service, but I did know, I did hear that, um, a lot of the, um, titles that they were touting for HBO max are going to be gone by like the end of the summer because of previous <laughs> um, contracts that were signed years ago oh, about geez. streaming and rights and stuff like that. So I think HBO Max is going to lose, like, Justice League, which, who cares? The theatrical cut, I guess, uh, which is probably why they were like, okay, yeah, we're going to give Snyder $30 million to, to put out his cut so that we can have that. Um, they're going to lose, like, Harry Potter and some, some other stuff, too, that they're going to lose. And it's like... You guys were touting that when when you rolled this out, and then it's going to be gone within two or three months. That's kind of it's kind of goofy. But, Don't matter. <laughs> they're trying to get that yearly right. subscription about you, right? <laughs> gotcha. So I don't know. I'm, I'm I worry about DC. I don't I don't you know lose sleep over it, but I'm just kind of I, I just really really wonder where they're at, where their head is at, content wise and creatively, because like you said, they do have these things going in one pot so to speak but and then the others is like what are you doing right <sighs> but maybe at the end like you said they're gonna they're gonna pull a rabbit out their hat and look like a bunch of geniuses that would be the correct analogy to use because it's gonna take some magic for <laughs> for this thing to get right they need a real life zatanna <clears throat> so one thing i do want to say to the classmates real quick so i know last week i was pretty harsh on the star wars um trilogy and i stand behind most of what i said (laughs) but i i i I was a little harder on it uh, for the purposes of the discussion that we were having i don't think all three movies were complete dumpster fires there are certainly redeeming qualities in, in each of them, I could say, but just wanted to put that out there. I ain't completely uh, hate, no, no. And the funny thing about it is, is, especially like going back and listening to it through the edit and stuff, I'm like, I agreed with a lot of your your points. <laughs> well, I know that. I know that, which is why I'm bringing this up, yeah. because it, it's kind of inconsistent with what I've said in the past, and I just wanted uh, to make that you. clear. That's all. I got you. But speaking of 20 years of the X-Men, Josh, I have a question for you. What's up? Do you know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? (laughs) I would imagine nothing special. And by nothing special, I mean the same thing that happens to everything else. Iconically terrible line. Oh, man. And Halle Berry got so much hate over that. 
she didn't write it. Mm-mm. She just had to deliver it. I remember when X-Men was coming out, like it was a huge thing. And I remember I got the novelization of the movie, like the book. And I, that was, I think that was out before the book. So I read that. And I mean, there were things wrong in the book that, um, I mean, obviously they're just hiring a writer who's not really familiar with like the comics or the lore. They're just adapting the script. But um, I want to say that line was in the in the book as well. But I'm not 100% sure. I'd have to find my copy of, like, X-Men, the book, and, Yikes. and find it. Oh, man, even, like, a, what, 10-year-old me or whatever, 12-year-old me was cringing at that line and embarrassed. Yeah. It's funny, looking back 20 years on X-Men, it's complicated 20 years. A lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of compromise and just, un, you know, not giving its proper due and things like that. But we wouldn't really be have the all the good we have without it be, this is like true batman begins and the mcu we wouldn't have any of that stuff without without x-men so agree you know x-men x2 a couple other films would definitely always have a special place you know in my my nerd heart form but you know looking back at the whole franchise over the 20 years and you know i understand it was it was more successful than it wasn't but you know, it was a lot that they could have done and failed to do. I mean, it was successful in that it made tons of money. It's just like right. every every other film was bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, there's no real way around that one. Nope. But I, I do agree with you. Like, it, the um, one thing I will say, and I, I didn't intend for us to go so long on this, but that's okay. One thing I do appreciate about what the original X-Men film did is that it forced the audience to take it seriously. And yes, it would have been mm-hmm. cool to see comic accurate costumes. We weren't ready for that yet. No. And I think I mean, we can't even get that right now. Right. I mean, we've gotten better, but some stuff you just doesn't translate well. Agreed. Agreed. But in order for general audiences to kind of get on board here you you did have to put them in like you know tactical gear makes sense mm-hmm. yeah plus this this was the age after the matrix so that whole leather stuff was popular you know that too it made sense for for the film i think like i never had an issue with the costumes or nor did i nor did i yeah the the major issues that i've had with what the film were the things like the potential for it to be better than it was and having such high mm-hmm. expectations, especially with if you think about how this series started, the very first scene you get in X-Men one is Magneto in a concentration camp. Mm-hmm. Like that's huge mm-hmm. to his, his his character and understanding why he does what he does or how why he feels the way he feels and to go from there to, you know, some of the big missteps that they made along the way, it's just a a wide variety of highs and lows that you get out of that, that series. But it's an emotional roller coaster for real. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> like, some intentional, some unintentional. Mm-hmm. But all in all, I'll, I'll give it a, a solid. But yeah, definitely. You know, 20 years, it doesn't even seem like it's been that long. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but it but it has been. And also, too, like, The Dark Knight Rises was released, what, 12, 8 years ago? 8 years ago. Another impactful film in the paving the way. And, that, you know, it's not as long of a running franchise, so they didn't have that much time to, to screw it up. But, you know, some people didn't love The, the Dark Knight Rises. I think because of comparing it to the dark knight is yeah the is the really the the original sin of the dark knight rises it wasn't the dark knight and that that was the issue mm-hmm. i think it was a solid film i do too you know and, and re-watching it too because i think when i went to go see it i can't remember did we do we see it together or not but um, no we didn't okay i saw it late i remember the theater i went to but i remember leaving and like sitting in the car and be like do i like this movie like as a whole, of just trying to understand it all and what they were trying to do. Right. But, you know, having rewatched it over the last couple of years and, 
you know, it's been on TV and stuff and, you know, you have nothing else to do or whatever. And you're like, oh, I'll, I'll finish watching it. It's like, yeah, no, I, I like it. It's a good movie. It's not The Dark Knight, but it's not League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or something like that. Like, it's... <laughs> it doesn't deserve any type of hate that it that it gets, I don't think. Nah, I think it's a little, a little unnecessary, but... Well, people like what they like, but... I, I, what I do like to say about situations like that is if if you're gonna hate something, you know, you should have a have a valid reason. Or I guess you don't have to have a valid reason for liking or disliking something, but at least admit that. Like I don't know. I don't I don't really know why I don't like this thing, but I just don't like it. That's good enough for me. Mm-hmm. What what really kinda gets under my skin a little bit is you don't have a valid reason for praising or besmirching something but you want to argue whatever you know straw man's argument you can come up with it's like no this is this is not there's no basis here and the sooner we can admit that the, the sooner we can get on with our day i think these these films actually do tie in really really well with what we want to talk about today so it's basically this. Would you, and we'll talk about uh, us personally, but I guess it's a general question. Is it better to have, when we get films and TV shows, and I guess to some degree even like novels and, and other things that kind of spin out of the material, the source material out of comics, um, is it better to go, you know, shot for shot, line for line? directly lifting out of the source material or is it better to have original stories altogether what would you say are you asking me you're asking the the classmates (laughs) i mean i am asking the classmates but i'm actually yeah i'm asking you okay yeah i think it's a little bit of both like there there are those classic storylines out there that you kind of want to see like on the big screen god loves man kills the killing joke uh, days of future past and you know there, there are tons of them out there not even out of dc and marvel but the other dark horse and other comics and stuff there are things these storylines that are timeless that are that resonate that are impactful for their time then and now i'll throw like the watchman story out there that you want to see on the big screen because or in, uh, you want to see acted out live because of the story that's what you that's what you love that's what you you're into but you know i don't know i think it's a mixed bag i you know i think the infinity war saga was done well i mean it was close to the source material but they changed it up enough to kind of change it enough so if you were familiar with the infinity war or i'm sorry the infinity gauntlet storyline from the 90s you kind of knew where their story was headed, but you didn't know how it would be executed. And that's nice. Like, there's there's something about not knowing what's going to come next that keeps you drawn in and keeps you kind of, like, engaged and be like, huh, okay, how are they going to do this? And then there's some that have been adapted, uh, like the Phoenix Saga, twice, that have been bad. So, you know, I don't think... You know, I'm, I'm in favor for both, you know, like... If Marvel were to ever do the Phoenix Saga, I would be down for it. But at the same time, if Marvel's doing, you know, relaunching the X-Men and it's a completely original storyline on the big screen, too, I think that would be interesting as well. I mean, the, the source material is going to stay the same. You know, it's still going to be uh, the Xavier School for Gifted Mutants. It's still going to be, you know, mutants are hated and disliked in mass and that material won't change, but we won't necessarily get the exact storylines. Like, we're not going to get the hunt for Xavier verbatim or something like that. But we may get something, like, original that goes in with the, what's already out there. So, you know, I think I can see both sides. I can appreciate both sides. And I'm kind of torn in between both, you know, not to try to pick a safe place to be two weeks in a row. But I don't know. I think it, it just depends. I would look forward to something new, but at the same time, there's there's things about some of my favorite stories that if they announce we're doing this, I'd be on board 120%. Right. I get where you're coming from with that. I guess I'm more along the lines of 
where you can, you should be as close to the original as you can. But there are going to be notable exceptions. There are going to be times where you just cannot do that. Mm-hmm. It's a different medium. That's one thing that you got to consider. And there's really, you know, the only limit to what you can do in a drawing is that of your imagination and the ability of the artist. Like there are no physical laws to be <laughs> maintained and you can create anything. Mm-hmm. It's a little more difficult in the in the 3D world to just create anything. And, you know, MCU, through the use of, you know, industrial light and magic, they they can create pretty close to anything. <laughs> <laughs> but it's certainly with effort and with difficulty. So I can see where some things would have to change. And then there's the legal aspect of things. Here's a point where something had to change in the film in uh, Infinity War. The scene where Hulk crashes into the Sanctum Centaurum and Doctor Strange and Wong are go- they go in there and they see Banner, you know, he's through the stairs and he's like Thanos is coming. Now the point of that scene was to introduce Thanos as the big bad and we kind of knew he's a bad dude but this was supposed to really ramp that up and because it's the Hulk, right? The Hulk is the arguably the strongest guy on the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And he is quite afraid in this moment. So in that way, it, it accomplished what it needed to. And here's why I say where you can, you should. They could not do it exactly the same way. Because they did not have the rights to the character who did that. So in right. the Infinity War, it was the Silver Surfer. They ain't, mm-hmm. they ain't got him. So you take the next best thing. And I think that it, it was still they were still able to convey the same idea. I mean, it was the same general concept. You have this incredibly strong being kind of shaking in his boots because Thanos is coming. Surfer or Hulk is the same thing. So... In that sense, you did what you had to do, so you could not do it. I'm good with that. Sometimes for time's sake or to clean up a storyline, you may not be able to do things beat by beat. Sensibilities change. Timing changes. Here's another example of something that I don't think you're going to be able to do. It hasn't happened yet, but when mutants get introduced... And we inevitably get to see Magneto, a huge part of his background. I mean, huge. This is at the core of his identity is his faith, him being Jewish and being in the Holocaust, having been a survivor of that. That ain't gonna really work. Putting a movie out in 2023. If he's a Holocaust survivor, like (laughs) he's going to be a little older than. Right than what the the studio might like. So you have to change that. But you still would have to... You need to find something comparable. And and that's... Comparable maybe isn't the right word. But in order to keep the essence of Eric Lyncher, that part of his life or the thing that is his driving force has to be on that same level it has to be that same depth yeah, it has to be the, of, of pain and loss that impactful and i don't know what you know what you re- would replace it with but it's important it is it is quite essential to his character right yeah, i mean arguably. and even if you just update it right maybe he isn't a holocaust survivor himself but he could still be a jewish person were. exactly so he could mm-hmm. still be an older person and have that same experience right yeah i get what you're saying i think too i didn't consider it like you said like stay close to the material except when you have to like make a deviation uh from it and yeah i think that it would be easier for marvel in most cases going forward to avoid the whole rights and restrictions that they had before because they didn't they as we all know look they they picked the avengers not because avengers was the uh, super popular and moving comic book that people wanted to see on screen. It's what basically was left. <laughs> what was left. Yeah, like, stuff nobody wanted. 
Yeah, in the 90s, man, Marvel went bankrupt and they basically sold a lot of rights to characters for relatively relatively cheaply, honestly. I think they sold Spider-Man for like $8 million or something to stay afloat the film rights and stuff. So some of those have reverted back. Some of them are still held, but I think they have most of them back now, at least the, the major players. Does so I really just Spider-Man, Hulk, and Namor, I think, are the only like big, big characters that are not solely owned by them. And they still have access to them at the moment. Yeah. But I don't know. I think that's an interesting, you know, position to take and I I get it. But kind of like to me the appeal of like a totally new story that we're we're not familiar with at all. I can get down with that. You know, like I I get what you're saying about like the impactful moments and when the things that make these characters them and trying to find something comparable like with Magneto that's a really good point because at that point you know what World War Two ended 75 years ago so either he was a baby or he's you know an 80 year old man which could be possible I mean they could explain it I may have mentioned it on here before or not I can't remember uh, but they could explain it saying something like you know mutants age slower than regular humans but then how do you end up with and an adult cyclops. Well, in that argument, you could say that they don't age once they, you know, like uh, a 70-year-old mutant male is the equivalent of like a 50-year-old mutant human or something like that. You know, like at a certain point, the aging process isn't as uh, advanced as like someone else's. But, you know, that's a something that I guess they're going to have to figure out. But I think it could be answered or they could be creative. They like like they could make it. It was a relative of his. It was grandfather or something like that. Right. But I think dropping like for instance dropping the X Men in and I was going to use X Men from two thousand, but that was some of that storyline was lifted from the comics. Right. But just launching them with an entirely new back, not really a new backstory because like I said the the basics will still be the same. But launching them with a story that we haven't seen taken from the comics, I think would be intriguing because you're going to sit there and you're going to be like, well, what are they going to do? Okay, are they going to go up against Magneto or we're not going to get Magneto? Like, personally, right. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind not seeing Magneto for a while. I mean, he's a he's a great character. He's obviously the, the yang to Xavier's yin, but, and he's the, you know, the complete opposite of what Xavier's dream is. So you, you, you'll always have that push and pull relationship between them. But I wouldn't mind, you know, another villain out of the rogues gallery coming forward and being like the big bad for the, for the first film or something like that. I agree. But two, at the same time, if they're launching X-Men and I'm just trying to think of a, of a story that they could start with or something like it's centered around the legacy virus. Okay. We've seen that, you know, that, that was in the, the comics where it was in the Morlock Massacre or something like that. We've, we've seen that. So if you, if you come out and say oh, X-Men is coming out in 2022 and you know, here's the gist of the story and you're, you look at it and you're like, well, what comic book is this from? Oh, it's not. Okay, so what are they going to do? I think that's really when you get drawn and kind of intrigued about what story is and of course more pe- more information will come out and kind of like the synopsis of the plot and all that stuff will come back and maybe they're you know taking you know instead of being one storyline they're blending four or five together to make a movie or something like that i'd be okay with that and i would i would be interested in that because it's like i said it's something quote unquote new that i won't be sitting there and, and thinking about okay well at the end of the day these are the main points that happen so I know that they're going to hit these notes and kind of understand where the story's going. Right. So, but then again, like I said, if they come out and they do, man, I cannot think of a story, like a, a storyline to save my life today. But if they do... God Love Man Kills would be a really good one right now. Mm-hmm. It's always like... I think um, I tend to agree with that idea for a a debut where you're just introducing the characters they almost have to or 
take they may have to take story elements from from different ones and i guess the reason i say they almost have to is so the original five is not going to be what the final roster is Mm -hmm. and i actually don't even think they would release like a full movie about the original five so even if they if they wanted to introduce mutants and then introduce the x-men it would the story would have to be altered just on that alone there's no way you're going to get the x-men without both storm and wolverine and you know neither of them were present in the beginning so right that's that's something that would have to change and i'd be cool with not having a particular storyline that they're following to introduce the characters i'm i'm good with that but at some point because of the way MCU has been running, they always end up going to that. Or they, maybe not always, but they've kind of trended in that direction, at least toward mm-hmm. the, the close of the Infinity Saga. Because in the beginning, it was very much like what, you, what you're describing. It wasn't a one specific storyline that was being followed. It was, you know, here's Iron Man, and we're going to introduce Iron Man. So you might get elements of a bunch of different mm-hmm. stories, uh, which is fine because you're just taking a moment, not even any part of a plot, just like a few frames out of a comic to place them in this film to kind of create this story. I'm, I'm good with that. Actually, it, it would be good to do that throughout, um, not just with the debut, but if and when you're going to lift from a story I guess that's my point is that you should be as accurate as possible, even if it's just going to be a moment. If you can, if you can do it, do it. Um, if you can't, you can't. I agree, with, especially with like the iconic moments. Like uh, maybe I didn't understand earlier, but yeah, if you're if you're copy, if you're taking, and that's the the frustration too with like other things, like um, even getting away from like Marvel, but like the last Airbender. You know, you have mm-hmm. twenty what twenty six episodes to base your script around mm-hmm. and then you you make that movie and uh use that script and it's like you already have the material just just take what you the good stuff which is all of it and incorporate it into a film that you know may, maybe that's the problem is you're taking 13 hours worth of material and trying to fit into two right but yeah if you're using the source material then stay true to that source material like there's nothing I won't say there's nothing, but one of the most annoying things is is things out there is when you have something that's acclaimed and good. You know, like for instance, uh, Watchmen, iconic comic. You know, even today, I think it's, it's still iconic to a lot of people. And then changing it for no reason other than to just—I don't want to say you're you know writer's own arrogance or anything like that, but. There's no reason to change the material. Like, yes, it's a comic book. Yes. And that's what they kind of did in the the movie, you know, instead of having the interdimensional attack in New York, it was like an energy blast. You know, it's it's a reason why that's in there. And and if it's not changed for a good reason, I think that's going to affect the uh, the outcome of the film. I think it was, though, because that's I mean, that movie was complicated enough as it was. Yeah, it was. And I think the by changing that from an interdimensional attack to a just this big energy blast, that's something that the average moviegoer would be able to grasp a little easier. So I get that. I understand why you have to make a change that way. Cuz I mean, at the end of the day, too, these are it's art, right? These are these are artists that are working on this. But this is a business. First and foremost, um, when you're talking about mm-hmm. filmmaking, so they need to fan service is awesome and they want to appeal to that. And that's that's kind of who's propping up those films. But purists alone are not going to. Yeah, they're not going to keep the lights on. No, no, not at all. So you need to appeal to a broader audience and find a way not to isolate, you know, your core people when when you can. Yeah, but even even then, you're not gonna you're gonna appeal to a wider audience. But I don't think if you're I mean you're already suspending your disbelief to watch a movie about you know superheroes and 
people with powers and stuff like that. So the the realism, I'll say, doesn't really have to factor in to the ending of Watchmen for that. You're watching a giant naked blue dude um, with crazy powers who exists through time and space in, in a way that's complicated to explain. So I don't think seeing a giant one-eyed octopus destroying New York at the end of the movie is going to necessarily detract from it, what you've just seen. I mean, the the people who love the comic book and have the the smiley face pins and Watchmen shirts and all that stuff, they're, they're going to be on board because, yeah, you stuck true to the material. But, you know, to me, the ending, I don't think the ending was as impactful as it was written in the book because it's kind of like, oh, okay, a bomb went off. Like, it's not... Yes, people, you know, millions of people died in that event, but I don't think it's not as an effective vehicle for, like, the emotional weight that they were trying to pull. I disagree completely, because what was the point of the what caused this emotional toll on the reader? It wasn't the method that the attack happened. It was that it happened. And so you got the same effect with the movie audience by by making it essentially a bomb as opposed to you know, this, this, uh, attack from another dimension, it's the loss of life was still huge. And so you still get Mm -hmm. that emotional pull based on the, the sheer volume of lives lost. I don't think that the vehicle matters as much. And again, I think even though, you know, even though it, it it was a, um, a lot going on in that film and Dr. Manhattan is, is a difficult enough character to kind of understand. I think that you absolutely would leave that theater scratching your head. If the ending is, is, uh, you know, New York being destroyed by what appears to be an octopus, like people going WTF that all the way home. No, I, I get, I get that. But I think too, because of, the how we are as people right like unfortunately the world we live in bomb attacks and things like that are not abnormal right and when they happen people do the right thing they come together they they try to resolve their differences and stuff like that but eventually people you know go back to their routine Mm -hmm. and so the difference between like a bomb and something like a monster attack that this is a world where superheroes kind of exist and and most of them are not powered. Most of them are just regular people who are dressed up in, you know, the flamboyant colors and stuff like that. So to have a giant monster, like something out of a, you know, 1950s Japanese film attack the city and you don't know where it came from. And, you know, you don't know if it's going to happen again. I think that was conveyed well in the Watchmen series about like, you know, the squid squid attack still being an issue that people are worried about. So I think that if they were able to, to do something like that and capture that in the film where people are coming together and doing the right thing going forward because they're unsure of what the heck just happened, um, I think it would have been a better ending to that film. Fair enough. Might have been more difficult to pull off, but I mean, that's a tough story to pull off to begin with, so... Yeah, some would say that it it wasn't pulled off, not just because of the ending. Yeah, I don't think it was. I think what we're talking about is more a matter of opinion, you know, how you individually feel about it or how I individually feel about it as opposed to... Because I don't think either of those endings fundamentally change what the audience is supposed to get out of the film. It's just a matter of what you personally would feel and... I think a lot of that comes from whether you've had exposure to the Watchmen books or not. If you hadn't, then it doesn't doesn't matter. You don't realize that you're missing anything because you just never knew. You don't miss what you never had. Right. But I think that kind of goes to what I was in some ways. It's not apples to apples where I was saying that, you, you know, you change where you have to and don't change where you don't. Right. I guess this is not a change that had to happen, but I, I, I can kind of understand why you did. view it as something that's like, oh, it didn't have to happen, but the way they did it was the intentions that, that from the original uh, text was still carried over what they what they did. Correct. And that's more my concern, I suppose, is not specific details, but what is the 
is the point being made? Are we still making the same original point? Because that's what made us love these stories to begin with. So right. if we can get that out of it, then I'm good with it. Like Civil War uh, was a, a good example of that. It wasn't exactly the same. It couldn't be exactly the same. Right. A lot of key components missing. Mm-hmm. The Young Avengers, for instance. That's how that story started off was with, with Patriot getting chased. Patriot does not exist in the MCU at this point, so it wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. But you still got the gist of the conflict between the two. You know, some of the players being different, but you you still kind of got it. Mm-hmm. You got the moment of the setup with Tony. You know, I'm showing up to the airport. It was a setup by Tony. Very same thing. So you're getting those same beats. That makes sense. Let me let me throw this one out at you because there was a film made. Just I don't think this could work as live action at all. But this is one that would be very, very difficult to pull off, I think, as a live action. And you mentioned it earlier, the killing joke. And here's why. What Joker did to Barbara Gordon, Mm -hmm. that that would be hard to watch live action, especially you know, him stripping her and, you know, taking naked pictures of her after having been paralyzed just to show her father. Now, mm-hmm. it, it it gets you into the mind of the Joker and how insane he is and just evil. Mm-hmm. And you get that, but at the same time, this is a woman who essentially will have been sacrificed for the purposes of a story and that's that's problematic in and of itself and that's something that you could probably get the same effect out of it right you could still tell the same story without that but if you do try to tell that story without it then you're missing something so it in those instances it may be best to just leave stuff well enough alone and an original story is probably the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there are ways to, to address some of the darker scenes from not just the killing joke, but just any, anything that's been written to portray it on, on screen in a, I don't want to say a better manner because in, in all, no matter how, what it is, it's bad, but just in a way that's not just, you know, gratuitous and shock value or anything like that right but yeah no that like you said that would be tougher to do and to pull off yeah how about the gotham earthquake in no man's land now that's one that is one i would love to see unchanged might be hard to pull that one off unchanged too though because you got to think about when it was written it was like 20 years ago and technology has definitely changed so there are some things that would have to change about that film. Just the way it was all executed, there's no way it would would go down the same way. Right. So the U.S. is just going to completely cut off a city, <laughs> a major city, and <laughs> and just let that go down like that. It in a post, you know, post nine eleven, post Twitter, post social media in general. Like there'd be so many free Gotham hashtags happening. <laughs> and people protesting, you know, by the bridges of each access point to the city. There's no way this would go down the same way. Right. I mean, but that's the thing, too, with that story is like and even, you know, something written 20 years ago was kind of like far fetched. I mean, it was it was a good story. Probably top 10, one of my favorite Batman stories of all time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think that but that's one I think that they could pull off, especially now. I think you would you would layer in, you know, more modern stuff and bring it up to date. Like you said, yeah, people would be, you know, it would be trending and protests and TikToks and stuff about it. But right. at the end of the day, I think Gotham would still be uh, on its own. But that would be the thing that that would make it would keep it interesting and intriguing is how would they handle something like that today? Like we know the story, we know the gist of what's going to happen and the events and the you know the emotional toll that it's going to take on on the characters but those other little nuances how do those factor in how did the 
community, you know, grassroots movements that spring up, how is that going to affect a story? Or would it, you know, would it just be ignored? You know, it's... There's no way to ignore that because that's literally how people survived it. Like, that is the story. I just mean, like, what's happening outside of Gotham. Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood you. You meant grassroots movements outside of Gotham. My bad. My bad. My bad. Yeah, yeah. Like like you said, the people who would be at the, like, where the bridges used to connect and stuff like that. Got it. I gotcha. Yeah. You know, would that be ignored? Because it would be, it would be easier to ignore it. But at the same time, I think that's where you, the writers and stuff really earn their paychecks in answering those questions and addressing them. Like, you know, let's do away with all the lazy writing and, you know, the tropes and stuff and put something new on the table that's plausible for the story and that works for the story. I think that, um... My position is still kind of the same. I'm one side and the other side at the same time. I think both can be done. I think they both should be done well. And I, I do side with you too, where you're like, okay, if you're going to use the source material, stick with it unless you absolutely have to deviate from it. And if you do deviate from it, do something that makes sense and not something stupid. Right. I think if you read Jurassic Park, the book and the movie are different. There's a lot of similarities between the two, but they're different. But the differences between the two aren't necessarily night and day. You know, you understand, like, why they merged this character or two characters into one or something like that, or to, you know, for the, for the film. For one, because our attention spans are different versus reading versus watching. And, right. But all in all, watching Jurassic Park and then going back and reading the book or vice versa, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, this was Jurassic Park. A little different, but at the end of the day, it gets you to the same place. Right. Other things, maybe not. Maybe it's the killing joke in name only. Or, you know, I think a good example to an extent of something that was not 100% original, but fairly was Batman Begins. Yeah. It wasn't a new story by any means, like something we hadn't seen in the comics and stuff before. But in that aspect, they, you know, they Batman year one almost, and, well, not almost, it really was, wasn't something that. It, had been explored in multiple comics and they took things from it all, but they kind of came up with their, their own little story and then worked off of that. Right. So it works. No, that one worked. I think the Joker is another example of original storytelling and however you feel about it personally, one, it was commercially successful, but it, people responded to it. And I think that that is a scary thing. (laughs) (laughs) Not necessarily. I mean, I got my own issues with it. I felt it an unnecessary film, but mm-hmm. you cannot say that it wasn't original. And, you know, kudos to the the team that kind of put that together. So if yeah. it's going to happen, there's certainly templates available. But, yeah, my, my whole point with that one, when you're doing source material, like if you're, if you're going to use the name, right, you're going to refer to a, a specific run then you you're going to want to stick to the source material like Mm -hmm. more civil war less dark phoenix (laughs) (laughs) yeah dark phoenix was dark phoenix only in a few instances right and just just a complete misunderstanding of jean gray like she's uber powerful even Long before she ever comes in contact with the Phoenix Force. But anywho, that's a... It's an argument for another day. I would say so. <laughs> that's an episode in and of itself. So there you have it, folks. We didn't really come to a concession, as it were. <laughs> we didn't really come to... <laughs> but I think we got our points made. Yeah, just make a good movie and... uh yeah, that's really it. Don't screw it up. Yeah, don't screw it up. If if you're telling people you're doing the killing joke, then don't give them something that's not the killing joke. Right. And for the love of God, no more Topher Grace's Venom. Oh, jeez. Terrible. On that note, <laughs> Josh, you got any homework for the people? I, I got nothing for you guys this week, so you're off the hook for now. That just means it's going to be double next time. Well, I got something for you. And I don't usually go to like the top of the mountain for homework but i am this time so i would suggest if you are not currently re-batman 
So releasing this week is the Joker War. I'm not going to spoil anything about it. That's 95. That's a new run. Grab that for sure, but don't read it yet. You need to go back to like 90, uh, issue 91, read those, and then get into 95. It's a whole lot of stuff going down in Gotham. There's a brand new character that has been introduced called Punchline. Some would say she's the new Harley. Others would say she is the anti-Harley, but she is nothing if not interesting. So, Hmm. yeah, I would say like the last maybe six or seven issues of Batman. That's your homework. And you guys know where to find us on social media. We're on Instagram at views from the back of class underscore pod. We're on Twitter at the other N word. Our email is viewspod at gmail.com. Or you can call or text us at 312-521-0527. Love to hear from you all. And remember, subscribe, leave a review, leave a comment. It definitely helps. And if you're not able to do that, we get it. But tell a friend and tell a friend to tell a friend. Tune in. And on that note, class dismissed.